Hi, friends. I'm Logan Clements, one of your co-hosts of the Better Events podcast. And in this week's episode, we are talking all about how you can build your dream team. We're talking about hiring. We're talking about hiring people to your event team or your event business. Our two guests this week, Courtney and Dana of Hustle and Gather, have built several businesses together. And so they share with us some of their tips and tricks when it comes to hiring the right people for the right roles knowing when do you even make that first hire, and some of their own creative hiring practices that have helped them continue to find success across the event industry. Before we jump into it, I do want to remind you, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps other people find us, and we can continue to grow this community together. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. We are so happy to be with you this week and to be joined by our amazing guests who we will introduce shortly. But first, we wanted to just briefly introduce our topic today. We are going to be talking about building your dream team. We're going to be talking about new hires, employment tips, and all of that good stuff. So this is going to be great for anyone who's thinking about hiring, or maybe you are leading a team already or going to be leading a team soon. And so just be sure to tune in. And we're really excited for the tips and tricks that will be headed your way. So with that, we'll introduce our guests. And so I'm going to pass it over to Logan. Yeah, thank you, Mary. I'm really excited to introduce our two guests today, uh, Dana and Courtney from Hustle and Gather. Hustle and Gather is a training and consulting firm that's on a mission to inspire others to take big leaps dream big dreams, and create amazing teams that grow profits and enjoyable but productive culture within business. They specialize in the hospitality industry and have coached and trained businesses to increase their profitability while creating a kick-ass team along the way. Over the past 15 years, Courtney and Dana have built and operated three successful businesses in Raleigh, North Carolina area. Starting from starting off from ordinary, they paved their way by sheer grit and tenacity, splashed with some therapy and coffee along the way. I love that line. They are on a mission to inspire others to take big leaps, dream big dreams, and create amazing teams that grow profits and enjoyable but productive culture within your business. Welcome, Courtney and Dana. Is there anything you want to add to that? Wonderful bio. <laughs> Feels pretty no, comprehensive. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it hits all the points. <laughs> I mean, the splash yeah. of therapy and coffee, you know, you're speaking oh. to a soul right here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need that on my wall. I'm going to frame that. <laughs> well, um, we'd love to kind of start off with a little bit of why, why we asked our guests, and then we'll dive right into the topic. And so um, Dana and Courtney, they come highly recommended from a friend of the pod, Megan Ely. She is um, from episode 23, if any listeners remember her, if I can go check it out. But basically, we were thinking for this topic as events come back in full force since, you know, we've had a little bit of a, a lull. Um, there were virtual events happening, but now it just seems like it's crazy and there's so mm -hmm. much going on and it's super exciting. And we've seen a lot of event companies grow during this time. There's a huge need and, and an influx for, for new staff. Um, there's definitely a demand right now. And so we think that that's great. But also, this is why we're excited about the topic, because we 
we need all the tips that we can get. Basically, we need employment tips. We want to learn about new hires and when, when it makes sense and all that good stuff. So with that, we will just go ahead and jump right in with our first question, which we love to start a little basic, bring it back to the basics. So to kind of step back for this topic, what do you need to do or, or justify to even hire your first employee? When, when do you get to that point? Yeah, I feel like always like a chicken and an egg question. Like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? And I think that for us, we kind of within reason firmly believe like if you build it, they will come. Like I think that we have always kind of structured our business around making sure that we have the infrastructure in place to support our clients before we go and get said clients that overwhelm us. I think we've always come at it too, like at a as a um place of being a mom and a business owner. So realizing what we can and cannot handle, I think it's really helped kind of develop our hiring style, I would say, or reason for hiring. Um, but I definitely think that people tend to wait to the last minute to hire. And I think that that is a very wrong decision just in general. Yeah. So kind of like hopping into kind of Courtney was saying for us, um, when we talk about, we're consulting with teams um, about do they need to hire? We talk a lot about that pre-hire process and it's very intense. Um, it is the hardest part of the hiring, the resumes, the interviews, onboarding, that is like a piece of cake, but the pre-hire is really hard because you have to take some really hard looks at your business. And so one of the biggest things that we talk about is what is your what is your mission statement? What is your goal? What is your service statement? And if you are consistently failing at that mission and service statement, a lot of times it means that you need to hire, right? And so for us, we can take a look at, and we have a very big team and there's times, and for us, um, for like the Bradford, for example, our venue, one of our biggest um, part of our mission statement is hospitality. It's giving individualized att attention to our clients. And when we are so overwhelmed that my event director, my sales director cannot achieve that goal that tells me, oh, we need to bring on another team member because we need to alleviate some of that load. And so for us, with the way we look at a mission statement is it's kind of like your North Star. It kind of gets you back on track to what you need to be doing. And it's a really good indicator of, okay, it's time. Okay. I need to, I need to start really living out what this mission statement is. And sometimes it takes, you have to kind of look at some ugly parts of your business, you know, and it's not fun and it's not fun to look at things where you're failing and where you're not doing well. But a lot of times that's where that kind of gives you that indication. Okay. It's time. It's time to hire. It's time to start thinking about building a team, starting to delegate, starting to offload so that I can continue to grow this business in the way, um, and, you know, maintain those values that I believe so, so dearly about in my business. Well, you said one of our lovely buzzwords that we love to hear on this podcast is North Star. We have a whole episode about it because we think that's so important for events in general. You can't really throw an event without a North Star. So it's interesting hearing that applied to your business, but also makes mm -hmm. total sense. And I know both Mary and I here on the podcast, we are both solopreneurs, one woman shows in our business. And I know um, she and I often have debates about when do you make that leap to building the team? So encouraging, Courtney, that you say, if you build it, they will come. But do you have any, for those really, you know, micro small businesses looking to hire their first employee, is there a right time or certain warning signs you look for? 
Yeah, I think it's when you are spending, not able to spend time doing the business part of your business, right? When you are solely focused on, you know, client care and maybe doing what your product is or your services, but you're not actually spending that time building, networking, growing, kind of future casting, all of those things. I think then you know that it's time to bring someone on to take off something, you know, off your task so you can start focusing back on what's important and what's going to sustain your business long term. And I think too, like just remembering that there's no like right employee, like right way to hire somebody specifically. Like our first employees were all 1099. Like we didn't have our first W2, I think until four years of having employees in. And there was part-time, there was full-time part-time, there was 1099, there was uh, all these other options that we had that made us interns. feel really comfortable. Yeah, interns, right. Mm. That made us feel comfortable with the cash flow that we had. Because I think that's where a lot of people are asking us, like, how much money should I have? Do I need to make sure I have their full salary in my savings account to confirm that I can pay them for the year? And I think there's a mixture of it. I think it's a mixture of being able to get comfortable with projecting your business and knowing that you can do that well. You're not talking about pie in the sky numbers. You're talking about real numbers that you know that are coming in. Um, and then also understanding that for us, like when we're making these projections, like, okay, but we're going to be bringing in this extra person. And because of that, I'm going to be able to go out and sell 10% more than I did last year. And that's going to be my goal. I'm not going to say I'm going to sell 50% more because that's not the truth, but I can say 10% more. And is that going to pay for this person? Is that going to be worth offloading that? So there's definitely a little bit of math there, but it doesn't mean that you have to go in there and say, okay, I have to hire someone for $40,000 a year. No, it just means maybe you're delegating to a VA. Maybe you're sharing a, a position with somebody. We've done that. We have a couple people in our industry around here that do that often that have the same basic office manager, right? And between the three or four businesses, we're able to have one full-time salary, someone that's super highly qualified. So there's really creative ways that you can get around being a solopreneur and bringing someone onto your team. I just have to like pause for a moment and say that I, I love this topic. I was talking to Logan about it before because I was really excited to hear all of your thoughts because this is a struggle that I've been having for like a year and I've been talking about it all the time. Like, when does it make sense? I don't know. This is where like the therapy comes in. Like I can already tell it's like, I feel overwhelmed. And when you talked about the fulfilling your, your mission, something that is important to me. It's like being able to conduct business uh, effectively and efficiently. And I feel like that's lacking in a sense. And so everything you're saying is just amazing, blowing my mind. And you're answering a lot of the questions that I had too, because one of my next questions was like, well, does that employee need to be like a full-time employee? And mm -hmm. then that, that's when you mentioned like, it could be an intern and I have an intern and she's amazing. So that's been a great way to start and to figure out how I lead. And so mm. just kind of wanted to, I don't, I guess that's not like a direct question, but everything you're saying is I think super applicable. And I hope it is for other listeners. If you find yourself in a similar situation, um, I'm really looking forward to what else you have to say, but I just wanted to add that in there. <laughs> um, so just with um, going along those lines, you've mentioned partnerships a little bit. So should you do, when, when should you do more of a partnership perhaps with someone versus kind of starting the hiring process and what scenarios would that make more sense? Hmm. Wow. That's a whole, it's a whole can of worms. And then another podcast, <laughs> I feel like talking about partnerships, obviously we are a fan of them. We've only ever been in a partnership together. 
Um, but if we were actually, we're not really to spill the beans 100%. Maybe the beans would be spilled by the time this comes out. But we're actually going into a partnership with another planner and an area of our business in the next couple of months. And it just made sense for us. And I can tell you why is because we needed someone who had skin in the game, right? Like we needed someone that um, could be a managing partner, right? Like we have the finances and the funds to grow it, but we don't actually have the bandwidth time, time right? Mm. Uh, we have other things, irons in the fire, and this particular area of our company need to be addressed and need to be handled and need to have time appropriated to it that we didn't have. So it made sense at that point, we actually reached out to a planner that we admire who was just at this point in her business that I could tell that she wanted to kind of scale back. And I thought she'd be a good fit for what we needed in the future. And uh we're actually merging and she's going to become a managing partner of this particular aspect of our company. And that's the reason why it's because we need for her to feel as invested as we are. Now, do I need that for someone for the Bradford or venue? No, like I'm very invested. I don't want another partner besides the great one that I have. <laughs> I don't want to share profits with anybody else. You know, um, same thing with C&D. But when it comes to this particular aspect of our business, which again, might, might be out when this comes out, it just made sense. So I think when you're looking for somebody who's going to be as committed as you, I think that's when you want to start thinking about that partnership realm. Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. I also feel validated that you did talk about that hiring employees because I'm, I'm currently not interested in hiring anybody else full time, but I have frequently in the last two years relied on 1099 contractors and both Mary and I have worked for each other on the 1099 spectrum of um, scaling up for specific projects and things like that because I love bringing work to folks that I think do good work, but I also don't want the pressure of having to pay someone full-time. So just talking about paying employees, whether they're part-time, 1099 full-time, um, how do you guys view hiring affecting your bottom line? So talking about affecting you financially. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. There have been a couple bad hires that have cost us some money, but um, at the end of the day, I feel like it's made us better bosses. <laughs> um, so which also pays off dividends in the end. But ultimately for us, what's important is you have to find that balance with employees. You have to, they have to feel cared for. They have to feel not only invested in your company, but also feel like they can pay their bills, that they can, um, if they're sick, that there's health insurance, all that stuff. That's super important to us, that kind of quality of life piece of it. Um, and Certainly, I can look at my payroll going out every month. We have, I'm probably going to mess this up, like seven full-time employees right now. Um, so I can look at that bottom line and be like, oh, man, it'd be great to take that K-1 this month. But at the end of the day, there is no way that we would have been as, as successful as we've been without our teams because I am. we are only two people. And you know, like we've kind of alluded before is that when you have that team who's doing, who have their boots on the ground, who are really handling that day-to-day -day stuff, and you're hiring these people that encompass, you know, that those values and whatnot, and that are have this very specific skill set. So, you know, when I think back to we opened the Bradford, I was selling the venue. We were doing both together. We were selling the venue. We were executing the events. We were managing the cash flow. We were managing the accounting. And there were some things that I was really good at and some things I was terrible at, but I had to do it all. And so when you're able to hire for a very specific thing, like we have an amazing salesperson who kills it. We have an amazing event director that kills it. We have a great marketing director that kills it. That only brings us in more business, right? So in the beginning, it feels like Courtney hushed on before, like the chicken and the egg. It feels a little counterintuitive. Like, let me throw money at this. And are they going to bring back that amount of money? And for us, 
90% of the time, the answer is yes. Um, certainly you're going to make a bad hire. It's going to happen. You just need to get, o- get over it. Right. Cause we all make mistakes. And sometimes that person you look at it and it's like, Oh, wow, that cost me this. But at the end of the day, the good always outweighs the bad. That's interesting to me. Cause that's something that I've been, I've thought about and correct me if like, if I'm wrong in your opinion, like this thinking maybe could be wrong, but like, it seems like hiring to me seems like an investment in a sense, like it, like I'm trying to figure out, does it make sense to, to treat it like an investment where you, you know, you're, you're it, like you said, in most cases it's going to pay off. Right. And so mm-hmm. that makes sense. But then on the other side, you could also like plan accordingly and just try to make a certain amount of money where you can then justify bringing on more people or structure your pricing in a way that allows you to bring on more people. I just feel like there's so many like avenues of thinking that you can go when justifying a team. So am I, what, is it, does this make sense? And do you have any thoughts kind of about that further thoughts, I guess? I, I definitely think that bringing on somebody is an investment. It's an investment in your clients, it's an investment in your business. And there certainly is cost associated with it. Like not only just the money cost, but like the time cost in it as well. But um, I definitely think when you, when you find that right fit and like Dana alluded to our salesperson and we have great people on our team. So this is just an easy an easy ROI to make the connection. She's Johnny on the spot, right? Like she takes literally, she's on a vacation right now in the Bahamas. And I think she's responded to all the leads, right? Like she just, she doesn't stop. Like she's just so motivated by her goals and serving a client. And when we hired that person and put her in place, like our sales went exponential. Why? Because it's an early bird gets the worm situation and she's always the early bird. You know, so it was definitely an investment. And she makes she makes good money, right? Like we pay her well, um, but it's paid off. Like we wouldn't be nearly where we are this year if it weren't for that. If Dana, if say if Dana or I were handling it, it would be like mm-hmm. we wouldn't get to it as quickly. We wouldn't have as many tours. We wouldn't have as many sales. So having the right person and investing in the right person in the right position, I think, really does pay off super well. And I think that kind of goes back to that pre-hire process too. And I, I've, as a business owner, you can look at things and say, this is what I do really well. And so, you know, if as a wedding planner, if what you do the best is actually planning the weddings, you don't want to outsource that. You don't want to hire for that necessarily. Maybe you want to hire for something that you aren't doing really well. Maybe it's the social media. Maybe it is the day-to-day. Maybe it is that, um, maybe it is the emails getting back to someone quickly. Maybe it's organization, whatever it is. And so I think there's this misconception that when you hire somebody, it means that you have to hire for your, like your actual job, or what you do well or what you love. But that's the beauty of hiring is you get to hire for things that you don't want to do or things that you're just not good at, right? That is just not your strong suit. Cause being an entrepreneur, you have to wear a thousand hats and nobody is good at all of them, right? That's just not reality. So it allows you to kind of take that pressure off yourself, hire that amazing person that is going to help your business and bring you in, bring in more profits because they're doing something that they are excelling at and that they are great at. We recognize that it's, that it's hard. Like making that first hire is hard and it's scary. It really is like thinking like, okay, this person is dependent on me to make great decisions with my business for them to eat next month, right? There's pressure in that. So I think thinking through like creative ways to hire, like I told Dana recently a couple months ago, I was like, if I could have never imagined like just what we're spending in payroll tax, like the monthly amount out of our account in payroll tax is shocking to me. It's more than we ever thought that we would make in a month when we first started our business, right? And this is just in the tax that's taken out of the employees' paychecks that we have, right? 
we didn't get there overnight. I remember our first hire, we hired someone for like 15 hours a week or something. I think it was 10 or $12 an hour. It was a really promising intern that we had. And we were so nervous about it. We were like, we're gonna, Dana's like, I think we need to hire out this particular part of our company. And I was like, oh, but we can hardly pay our bills now. Like, she's like, I really think it's the right move. And it was the right move. And it was super nerve wracking, but it became normal, right? And then hiring that first full-time person, we were super anxious. Well, when that person became two people, it wasn't nearly as nerve wracking, but we do understand that that first hire can be super nerve wracking. Like, what's it going to do my bottom line? Am I going to be able to support that person? So definitely like segueing into that with a part-time or a 1099 employee, I think is a great way to dip your toe into that management hiring process to make it a little less scary. Yeah, I feel like you're, you've are you alluded to this a little bit, but when you're building that dream team, do you guys have any tips for having a kind of creative hiring process to be able to discern between the great candidates who are that great fit versus someone who's okay or, you know, could end up being, you know, a bad hire at the end of the day? Do you have any tips for folks? I think Courtney said it first right off the bat is you don't want to hire in a, in a rush. Um, I think when you have to make a rash and a quick hire, those are always the times that we have um, regretted that said hire. Um, but for us, it's really, we always, we, you really got to do, look at yourself. We had to do some really introspective deep dive and it's not who you think you are or who you, a kind of a boss you want to be. It's who are you? Right. And I, so for the longest time, I just wanted to be this super chill person. Like I just wanted to be calm and everything's fine. And I'm not like, I am not a calm person. I hate people that are late. It drives me absolutely bananas. And so for me, when I'm looking at somebody, timeliness is super important. Honesty above all is the most important. Like I would rather you come to me with a problem and not know how to fix it and let me help you. than you try to fix it yourself and totally mess it up. Right. Or be, or be dishonest about it. And so I had to really look at who I was and, and recognize it doesn't mean I, it's not a weakness in me. It's a strength in how I manage. And it's how do I, you know, manage the way that I manage somebody else. And, you know, Courtney is a completely different manager than I am. And so I think first off, it's really important to know what you are, what your expectations are for your people, um, who, like who you match well with. We are huge Enneagram nerds. Like this is a big thing for us. So we do lots of Enneagram tests. Um, and I think the biggest caveat here is you can't say because I'm an eight, I'm an eight. That because I'm an eight, I can't ever manage a six. Like that's not going to go well. That's not actually how the Enneagram works. The Enneagram is just saying, this is who you are. Understand fully your strengths, your weaknesses, what you need to develop. Understand understand them fully, their strengths, their weaknesses, and how what they need to develop. And that allows you to create a relationship that is, you know, very, uh, can't think of the word right now. Kismet. Our relationship was very yes. kismet. Yes. Um, so I think that's where a lot of that comes in for us is that we, we just kind of take a look at it. And, and we have to say, are we ready to hire? Do we have the time to invest into this person? Do we have the time to learn about them? Not just be like, hey, welcome to the team. Here's our people. They're going to onboard you. But it's like, no, do I have time to take them out to a drink, to, to go out to dinner, to get to know what they what they love, what they hate, to feel like if we're going to be a great fit, like all of those things are really important. So um, and that's definitely one of the things that I, we look at when we're looking at hiring somebody. 
And we say all these things because we've literally gotten them wrong on all levels, right? Like we have hired when we were desperate. We're like, oh, you're a human being. Yes, you're going to fit. No, didn't work out. We were so busy. We couldn't properly onboard somebody. So they were like totally going rogue. And we had, we're like, that's not how we do things. I'm like, but you never told me how you did things. And it created like this really bad situation. We've hired where we're like, yeah, we're like super chill. Like we don't care if you work from home, it's project based. And then we're like, actually we do care. Like where's that data would come out? Where's that person? Why is she not here? Like we told her it was loose, but really we're not that loose. You know, so like just like all of the, the missteps that we've had along the way has kind of helped us create what we consider like our hiring policy and how we hire and whatnot now, but it was definitely through lots of failures, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. not through like, oh, we got that right the first time. And I think that that's the thing that is so daunting about hiring for your small business. And I think especially when you're like in a hospitality kind of client facing industry is it's scary to trust your baby to somebody, right? It is scary to hand over any part of the reins and you're going to get it wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're also going to get it right. And I think that getting over that piece and like just really kind of taking those wrongs is like, well, that was a misstep. Right. I tried and I failed as an unsuccessful attempt is what we like to call it. Unsuccessful attempt. You try. You're going to get know something about yourself on the on the back end. You're going to be able to do better the next time. So I think there's a lot of that, that people just are afraid of making the wrong hire or afraid of getting it wrong or getting the wrong person. And spoiler alert, it's going to happen but you're going to find a lot of the right people too. Yeah, that's a good reminder because I feel like just as a business owner or or with life, even it just, that's how it is. You make mistakes and then you learn from them. So it's honestly helpful to hear as well in this scenario. And you also talked about Enneagrams, which I just have to say is funny for our listeners. If you remember, Logan and I did an episode on our Enneagrams, so we can link that. Um, but I will say, we probably need to do a little deeper dive into who we are with our Enneagrams. <laughs> that was our first introduction to them when we did like a lot, li- kind of like a live podcast mm-hmm. reaction to it. So we got to dive a little bit deeper into that. Well, but what are your it. numbers? That was, that was funny. I knew you were going to ask that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. You don't remember. I don't, I don't think we remember. Okay. <laughs> I think I was a three or a seven. I'm just throwing okay. that out there though. So who knows? We're not, yeah, we weren't the same one. Yeah, and I we will say different. I aspire to be an Enneagram person. Hence why we did the episode, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember which one. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. we'll have to find out and let you know, and then you can judge yeah. us appropriately. We'll, <laughs> we'll keep you posted. We're, we're seven and eight. Dana's very much an eight, very much seven, which is a very yep. interesting combination oh. and two very different leadership styles. So yes, very different. That's very different. That's interesting because mm-hmm. you still work well together, and there you go. So well, yeah, we have well, our whole life. We learned how to work well together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's that's another question I kind of had is when we're talking about someone who's listening to this, learning their management style, um, how what are some other ways they can do that? Maybe like above and beyond Enneagrams, how can they figure that out for themselves? Yeah, one of the things we love to do is to ask um, other people they've worked with, whether that's a vendor. So if you're a solopreneur, other vendors say, describe me in like three words, right? Um and then even don't be afraid to ask the hard question. Like, when was a time that you felt like I didn't, you know, fulfill your expectations and why? Or um, when was there a time that like when I was either overseeing an event or I was managing this project that you felt like I couldn't, I wasn't communicating well or didn't hear you or, I, or maybe I did it really well, right? 
Um, and then I think just really you have to look at what are your deal breakers, right? Like what are the things that you feel like, why are you hiring this person? Are you hiring this person because you need somebody that is super knowledgeable about whatever you're hiring for? So for us, like when I'm talking about like our accounting, right? I need someone that's super knowledgeable. I can't know more than them. That's not, that's not going to work out. Right. So for me, it's understanding, okay, for this job, my deal breaker is that if they don't have QuickBooks um, background, if they don't know the, how to, what a check looks like, which is what, you know, a lot of people in our younger generations don't have never written a check, right? Like that's not going to work well for this position. Whereas for a deal breaker for like a, if I'm hiring a planner for me, it's someone are they, are they not organized, right? Am I going to open up their Google drive and it's going to be all these files and nothing's in a folder. Like that's going to stress me out and that's not going to work well. Right. Um, and for us is, are they professionals? Do they have the experience? So I think you have to look at like what it is you're exactly hiring for and what are the deal breakers for that? So, you know, also like, I'm not going to hold your hand because I'm hiring you because I don't have time to do this job. So I can't, sit there and hold your hand and tell you that you're amazing every single day and show you how to do this job. Like that's a deal breaker for me. Um, where other people, maybe they really want that. I mean, maybe they really want more of a, a partner kind of employee where they're sitting together in an office, they're working, they're collaborating and that works well for them. So it's really looking at and understanding what it uh, is what we call our deal breakers. Like, what is it that you, that will not stand for you? Like, that'll just make you want to be like, why did I hire this person? What am I doing? This is terrible. This isn't helpful. You know, all those things and be able to just be honest about them and don't be ashamed of them. I think too, like understanding, like how much involvement you want to have. Like for us, like when we hire most of our people were very project based, like we aren't lording over anybody's computer. I'm not counting their hours. I don't know exactly when they're going to go on vacation until I show up in the office and they're not there. They fill out the appropriate forms. Like I trust them. They've done it. So like understanding that, like, I'm not going to be able to micromanage you. Or I'm not going to, I don't have the time to sit beside you and hold your hand. So when we're hiring somebody, like we're looking for someone who's like a self-starter and a go-getter mm -hmm. and uh, is competent. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but there might be people out there who they're like, look, I'm not going to trust my baby to someone who's just going to work on a project type base. Like I, I want to see what they're doing and I want to schedule their hour, like minute by minute, like I'm going to time block what they're doing for their schedule, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how they might want to manage. And it's not a right or a wrong or a good or a bad but understanding that and then being able to find the person that fits that because mm -hmm. you're not hiring to make things more difficult for yourself. You're not hiring to add something to your plate. You're hopefully hiring to either grow and expand to take something off your plate or to service your current clients better, right? So when you put, when you hire that wrong person or you haven't really taken that deep dive, it's like how I'm going to manage, this is what I want it to look like, it can become really contentious and it just becomes another thing that you have to deal with. And it actually can be counterproductive. Like we've had mm -hmm. that with a hire where we're like, we're doing more work because we've hired this person and it was the wrong person for the job than if we had just done it ourselves in the first place. Mm -hmm. And you definitely don't want to be in that situation. Right. And when you're interviewing, you have to ask the hard questions. Like, you know, if we're looking for a self-starter, we're like, give us a project at your last job that you felt like that you, that you took initiative on and what was it? Right. And based on that answer, based on how they answer that question, it's going to tell me, did, are they doing it because they were angry because they were mad? Are they doing it because they're like, wow, I can really make this better and let me, you know, 
be able to create a better product, which tells me that they cared about the company, they cared about the people on their team, and they cared about the end product and not just trying to be, uh, you know, a braggart, right? So those are very two different teammates. So it's really making sure when you're walking into that interview, you're not just pulling a bunch of interview questions off the internet, but you're really digging into asking questions that that um, not only talk about the job, but who you're going to be as their manager. And if, are they going to be okay with that? Right. Like we like to ask in our interviews, like, why, why are you leaving this last position? Like what's something that you didn't like about that company? Mm-hmm. And if they're like, well, okay, maybe I felt like it was a little too loose. Like I didn't have enough structure. Not going to work out. <laughs> so I think that those are all super helpful questions to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. And so um, as we're thinking about that, what, what would you say, just to, we kind of try to leave with some like little, we've, we've had tons of tangible tips today, but we kind of want to leave with like some little other tidbits. And so when it comes to you all as a manager, or just curious, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what would you say are like, you're, you kind of hinted to it, but what would you say are like the top two, two qualities that you would describe yourself having as a manager? Curious. Mm-hmm putting you on the spot. I like to start, Dana. You want me to start? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, I think I am actually very empathetic. I probably didn't come across that way in this podcast, but I'm actually a very empathetic person. Um, I I think part of an eight is that you're a very, I believe in justice. Um, I can see lots of sides of the coin. I can understand where people are coming from. So a lot of times when I my employees coming at me and and maybe they're mad, maybe they're upset, or maybe they're just overwhelmed. I can take a step back and recognize this is not about me. Um, This is maybe about something else. And then how, how can I create a better environment to make them feel more successful? Um, So I'm, I'm also a thinker. So it just takes me a while to process. So sometimes when I'm having a deep conversation, I don't want to be like, I'm not just going to like verbally vomit on you what you just said, like, give me a minute, let me like process it. And like, let's talk about a way to fix it. Um, I would say that. And, and I think, I don't know if this is like a good thing or a bad thing, but I have very high expectations. Um, I just, I expect a lot from my, from my people, but I think it's because they're amazing and I know that they can do it. Yeah, I, I think that, um, I'm a very loyal person. So Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, I make our team feel comfortable coming and speaking to us when they need things or when they need help. I think that we are able, and we do this collectively, able to create a really open environment for people. So, I mean, even if things are going poorly, everyone's feels comfortable to come and tell us and realizes that we're going to support them. And then I think that, um, I'm very empowering. So I, I want for people to have places to grow on our mm-hmm. team. And I think creating those avenues, I think is really important to keeping really highly qualified people. So I feel like, and I think Dana's this way too, very good at empowering our team to be able to take things on their own, to take ownership of and responsibilities and really grow and have places to go on our team. Thank you so much for sharing those. I know that's nice and inspiring. We're always looking for for good manager tips. Um, is there anything else before we we wrap up? Is there anything else that you want to add to tips about building your dream team, hiring employees, anything else? Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think kind of recapping, like making sure you have that mission statement in place, make sure that you know what your values and your purpose are because you want to be able to articulate that to your team and hire somebody accordingly. I think definitely looking at your management style, taking that deep dive, making sure you know who you are before you bring somebody else on 
I think is super important. Um, but yeah, and I think don't be afraid. Like mm -hmm. it, we know that it's scary. We know that there, it's an investment, but I think that when you have that right person in the right place, that investment really does pay off. Yeah, Dividends I mean, a lot. Yeah, and just, and kind of going on that, just trust your gut. Like when you're looking at these people, like you did not build this business um, other than just you built this business, right? And remind yourself of that, that you know what's best for your company and just trust that about yourself. Like you'll know when that right person feels like just clicks, you know? Wonderful tips. Thank you so much. We're so grateful to have you. Thanks for taking the time and sharing this awesome information. Um, we would love to figure out where listeners can find you and follow you too, if that's something that they want to connect with you more on um, or just follow your journey. So where can listeners find you? Yeah, um, we also have a podcast that comes out weekly called Hustle and Gather. You can find us on hustleandgather.com. Same with Instagram at hustleandgather. And can we make a plug? here. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. we just recently put together a hiring guide. So it has all of our tips, tricks, tools, resources to help you make that mission statement, to help you find your management style, to help you with the interviews, how to make a contract, like all that back end, like not sexy stuff, you know, like how do I make a job offer? How do I make a contract? How do I onboard somebody? All of that's in there um, to help you with making really successful hires and growing your teams. We're super passionate about that. So. Perfect. Well, we'll add that in the show notes so people can know where to find you guys. And um, thank you so much for joining us, Courtney and Dana. And we'll, we'll be, I'll be probably downloading your, your hiring guide because you never know. I feel like it's always, always good to get ahead, but I appreciate you both for being here. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And Mary, I think that brings us to our bonus tip this week, which you have for us. Yes, I have the bonus tip, but it is a joint tip from both Logan and I. And this is a Google Chrome extension. Logan, correct me if I'm wrong. We also have it for Outlook. Okay, thank you. Logan introduced me to this. It is called Just Not Sorry. And as we said, it's an extension that basically helps you say not say just and not say sorry as much as you might in email. So it underlines it just to kind of help you think about your wording and better to qualify your messages and not diminish your voice and things like that. So Logan, anything else you want to add since the idea comes from you? Well, it's free. We had a discussion it's about free. this in our event pro book club. And then I was at a different event, I believe, and someone mentioned this plugin and I was like, my mind was blown. So yes, it's free. Great. You don't have to take their suggestions if you don't want to, but I've noticed it in my own emails since having installed the plugin. <laughs> Love it. Thank you so much for sharing it. Hopefully you all check it out if it's interesting to you. And that brings us to the end of our episode. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at, in, at Better Events Pod. You can send us an email at bettereventspod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. So thank you to those who have sent us some episode suggestions, content, whatever your anything that comes up. And we appreciate you all for listening. And we'll be back in your feeds again next Wednesday. 